You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Because anything they did, he just sovereignly in his mercy says, you are my people. He started with Abraham. He came with Abraham. It's not because you're any better than anybody else. I'm just choosing you. And from Abraham, he built a nation of people that are his people, his chosen people. And God says to them in this psalm, since you're my people, this is what I want you to do to pursue blessing. Okay? This is what blessing looks like. But again, if you know who you are, you're not reading this psalm like, I better get to work to achieve my status as God's chosen people. No, God just chose them and saved them, not because of good works, but because of his mercy. So hear this. For the original audience of this psalm, they weren't trying to achieve this psalm or do this psalm for their identity. They're doing this psalm from their identity. You feel that? Big difference. Super important. And it's the same for us as New Testament Christians, as biblical Christians. If you're a Christian this morning, the psalm isn't something to achieve so that you can become a Christian. Like, if I can pull off Psalm 1, then that will make me right with God. That's not how the gospel works. It's if you are a Christian and you know who you are by God's grace alone, then you do this psalm from that identity, not for your identity. You with me? Big deal. Super big deal. Your identity as a child of God was not something you earned. It's something that was given as a gift when we reject sin and turn towards Jesus. That's called repentance and faith. So if you're a Christian here today, we look now to Psalm 1 and this kind of this formula that do this, not this, from a place of security in our identity, and from there we pursue this psalm this morning. Okay? I just want to make sure that's really clear. If you're not a Christian this morning, today could be the day. You turn from your sin. Turn towards Jesus who laid down his life for your sin to bear the wrath of God that our sin deserves in our place as a substitute. And then was risen from the dead to prove it all true. If you believe that this morning, you can become a Christian. We call you to it. God calls you to it. And then you can read this psalm from the place of a new identity that empowers it. Okay? So disclaimer aside, I want to make sure that's clear. Let's dive into the psalm and see what it has for us this morning, okay? Look at it with me. Look at, look at Psalm chapter 1. I want your eyes to see the text. The verse 1 says, blessed is the man. Now blessed, another way to think of blessed is to be happy, okay? Happy is the man. So the psalmist, right out of the gate, is saying, here's a recipe for happiness. Here's a recipe for blessedness. We all want to be happy. 
It's just a universal experience. Right? No matter what we do, we always are doing it, things because we think it's going to make us happy. Blaise Pascal said this a few hundred years ago, the great French philosopher. He said, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. They will never take the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. Ultimately, even suicide is believing this is going to be better off for me. So we all seek happiness. We all seek blessedness. And what a gift this morning that God gives us his word and says, hey, if you guys want that, here's the pathway. Here's the pathway. It's one of the most encouraging psalms in the Bible. That, that God just comes to us through his revelation and says, this is the pathway of blessing. This is the pathway of happiness. So who is the blessed man or woman? And we see this familiar pattern in the Bible. What you'll see in the Bible, if you're looking for it, is a not this, but this pattern. Not this, but this. Uh, Ephesians 4 talks about putting off and putting on. It's another way to say it. Start doing, stop doing. And so we start with the not this part. Look at, look at verse 1. Blessed is the man... Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So let's camp out here for a little bit. What, what is the psalmist doing here? Walks, sits, stands. You see that? It's illustrative language. Walking, sitting, standing. What, what is this all about? You see the threefold negative description as repetition. Walks not, nor stands, nor sits. There's repetition here to make a point. There's negative repetition to make a point. We're not going to walk in the counsel of the wicked. We're not, let's start right there. Let's, we're not going to walk in the counsel of the wicked. Well, what, does that, what does that look like? What, what does that mean? Well, you know, like I, I have a dog, and we just got a dog. She's six months old. Uh, she's got a lot of pent-up energy. If it doesn't get, um, if it doesn't have an outlet for that, we have problems in our home with our dog, right? I have a lot of pent-up energy, and if I don't have an outlet for that, there's a lot of problems in our home, right? So it's, 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 it's a win for both of, for the dog and for me. We're going on walks. Well, the problem is my dog doesn't talk. Right? So I, I love to go on walks with my wife. Why? Because we talk. We walk and we talk. And we have mutually uplifting conversations. This is the opposite of that, but it's the same picture. It's like when you're walking along the road with somebody, you're probably going to be talking about things. And he's saying, 
Like imagine walking and talking, but the people that you're walking and talking with hate God and what his values are and what he loves. And they're giving you advice as you walk along the way. It's almost the same, don't, don't do that. Walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. Imagine like standing around in a crowd and we're just all milling around, like maybe at a party, you know, everybody's kind of standing up, you know, getting some hors d'oeuvres, having some drinks, we're standing around talking. He's saying, man, if, if that, in that party, the conversation is the way of sinners and don't stand around at that party. And he says, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Don't sit down and settle in. Like when we sit down, we're kind of like settling in. It's like don't sit down and settle in with them and, and listen in. Don't, what's all this about? It's like what are your influences? Because walking, standing, sitting, maybe other than like laying down, but for the most part, walking, standing, sitting, that's a majority of our life, Right? a picture of the majority of our life and as we do the majority of our life whether it's walking whether it's standing whether it's sitting it's like what is the context for that that's what he's asking us to think about like what are the influences that we're allowing to come in to our overall life picture And the psalmist is just saying, in all of life, if you surround yourself with counsel, influence, right, like a counselor, someone who influences you, who gives you advice, if you surround yourself with this type of counsel, like it says in verse 1, the counsel of the wicked, blessedness is not going to happen. Happiness won't happen. It will eventually, in the end, lead to misery. Now, as I read this and I think about us as a church, and I think about the description here of wickedness and sinners and scoffers, like, those are some strong words, right? So a lot of us, I think, can read this and go, you know, I don't really hang out with people that I would describe as wicked or scoffers, right? So it's kind of like, yeah, verse 1, check. Like my, my, my closest relationships aren't with people that, you know, I would describe as wickedness. I'm not influenced, I don't think, by people that I would describe as wicked. But I'm wondering if it would help us to maybe ask ourselves, do we have the right definition of wickedness or sin or scoffing? Like for me, when I think about wickedness, the first thing I think about is like murder. Like that's wicked. Um, like abuse of a child, that's wicked. Manipulating people, leveraging people for your own selfish gain. Stealing large amounts of money. You know, come up with lots of other things. But that's kind of like what I think of. Maybe you join me in that. But I think it could run a lot deeper than that. And I fear that in our Christian culture, we have respectable sins or respectable wickedness that we tolerate in relationships, that we tolerate in, in those that are giving us counsel, those that, that are in our relational context that's influencing us. 
think of things like, like gossip that destroys how we love one another because opinions get formed that aren't the full story. Like one that I think is so easy for us in the church is just passive-aggressive bitterness where there's, there's, there's bitterness in my heart that just lingers that I'm not seeking to deal with, and I just it, just it just festers in there until it can't fester anymore. Anger that doesn't get dealt with. Wasting our time on foolishness and media. So I think I just want to call us to not be so quick to, to just dismiss verse 1 as like, yeah, I got that down. I'm good. I don't hang out with murderers and child abusers. But is there more for us here that we can think about and be like, nah, man, I, I want to take it a little deeper. I want to pursue what God says here and, and, and see if I have a biblical definition of these words and not just a cultural, Christian cultural church definition, okay? So let's keep going. The psalmist says, the blessing is not in these ways, walking, standing, sitting, wickedness, scoffing, sinning, you know, all that. But now comes the contrast. It's not this, but it's this. What does it say? The contrast is the light. Blessing is happiness comes through delighting in something. What do you delight in? What does it look like? Like, for me, I delight in my wife. I delight in my kids. I delight in traveling and in my workshop and in my dog and in playing the piano. Like, what, what do you guys delight in? What do you, if someone asks you, what, what, how would they know? How would somebody know what you delight in? Well, it's probably pretty easy. It's how we spend our time and our money, right? How we spend our time and our money. Like people see me with my wife, or they see me sitting at the piano, or they see me with my kids or my dog or in my shop making something. And they can probably figure out, man, he, he delights in those things. He enjoys those things. And the psalmist is saying, if you want blessing, delight in this. Spend time on this. What does it say? In the law of the Lord. Verse 2. Look at it. But his delight is in, his delight is in the law of the Lord. What does that mean? He delights in what God has said. He or she delights in what God has revealed. Okay? They listen with ears to hear. To what God has said. Now, the first audience of this psalm, when it says law of the Lord, they would have been thinking the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, okay? This was God's revelation of himself to his ancient Old Testament chosen people, okay? He spoke to them. He showed them who he is through who his, what, what, what's in, on his heart, Right? 
He told them to believe certain things about him, to do certain things in light of their belief in him, by faith, to trust what he says, to listen with ears of faith, with ears to hear, and then have that be reflected in their obedience. So God speaks and God's people listen with faith and obedience. But as we read this psalm as Christians that now have the New Testament, the New Covenant, what Jesus has done, we read verse 2 as all of the Scripture now. Okay? So like God spoke in the Old Testament through prophets. Like Zephaniah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos. About what was to come in the future about a Messiah. And how God was going to continue to unfold this plan of salvation for the whole world. They talk about it. They spoke about it. They, they promised it moving into the future. But the Bible says that 2,000 years ago, from our perspective, Jesus came and he spoke most clearly about who God is and what he does through his teaching and through his actions. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So when we read this psalm as a Christian today, we think Bible, like what has God said? Old Testament Christian thinks Torah, but we have more than that. We have this. So we delight in what God has revealed about himself in all the scriptures. We delight in that. And, and what, does that, what does that look like? What does that mean? It just means, like, God, I need you. I want you. I want to know you. I want to hear from you. Like, if I can't have you, I can't have anything. Like a, like a deer that pants for streams of living water. Man, if I don't get that water, I die. And when they drink that water, they, what, they delight in it. And it's the same thing here. Blessing equals delighting in what God has said. Delighting in how God has revealed himself. Cherishing it. Listening with ears to hear. Verse 2, look at it. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, or on his revelation, on what he has said, he meditates day and night. It's a lifestyle thing. It's a lifestyle thing. It's a continual thing. Day and night is just metaphor for lifestyle. Blessedness as defined by God is a lifestyle of listening and delighting. It's like, God, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. God, I want to know you. So I got to hear from you. Like, God, what have you said? I want to know it. God, who are you? I want to know you. So that's blessedness, according to the psalmist here. Lifestyle of listening. And when that happens, this is, a, this is the, such an encouraging thing. When that happens, what happens? When that happens, what happens? The psalmist says, look at it. When all that happens, here's the result. He is like... So here comes the metaphor. It's like something. He or she is like a tree. Like a tree. 
Why is that encouraging? But what are trees like? The first thing I see when I see a tree is I see strength. Trees are strong. Now, assuming they're alive, if you have a dead tree and it's really dead, and you know, it's not like huge, but maybe a medium-sized tree that's been dead, standing dead for a long time, you can push that thing over. But if that tree is alive, like green wood, unbelievably strong. Unbelievably strong. Uh, I'll never forget uh, at my old house over in the Hill, Hilldale area, our neighbors had, had this huge hickory tree that had to be removed for some reason. It wasn't dead. It had to be removed. And, you know, it was probably about this big around or more, you know, at the base. It probably at least 50, 60 foot high. And because of the way the houses were arranged and the density of our neighborhood, they had to drop that tree very, very precisely. And so they hooked up this really big, long cable up here, and they hooked it to an anchor point. I think it was on a big, huge truck. And then the, the tree service guy gets down on the base, and he starts sawing away at the base of that tree. And as he would, you know, he probably got halfway or more halfway, they started cranking on the cable just to slowly bring that thing down. Like they cut some more, pull some more, cut some more, pull some more. And the tree, I, I remember just watching it. I'll never forget it. It just kept going and going and going really slowly. And they cut some more, pull some more, cut some more. And, man, they were almost through that tree, maybe a three or four or five inches left on the base of the trunk, and the thing still wouldn't fall. It was just like hanging out at this angle, you know, because what does that say? It says those trees, when they're green, when they're, when they're, when they're fed, they're not dead, they are strong, unbelievably strong, they're just hanging out like this, still wouldn't fall, and then finally it just dropped. I think about our... Um, in our backyard, we have a big tree swing, and, um, you know, sometimes people will come over. You, you climb up on this platform. It's about six foot high, and then you swing down, and it's probably, you know, I don't know, like a 50, 60 foot, you know, pendulum, and it's a little intimidating for the first time, and people look up at that branch, like, how'd you get that up there? Oh, I climbed up there and hung it up there, and it's like, do I trust this guy's skills hanging a rope? You know, that's the first thing they're thinking. And then they're thinking, like, is this rope going to hold me? And I was like, yeah. I mean, I went to Home Depot. It's nice nylon. It's rated for 1,000 pounds. And they're like, is that branch going to hold me? And I'm just thinking, man, if, if those leaves are on that tree branch, and it's green, and it is, that thing could probably hold 1,000 pounds easy. You know what I mean? Um, if, that, if that tree branch is green, and it is, you're good. You're not coming down. Right? So that's what the psalmist is saying. We all have seen these illustrations of strength of a tree. And he's saying blessedness, happiness is found in delighting in God by listening to what God has said in his word. And that produces something. It produces strength like a tree. You can bend like crazy, you won't break. A green branch is hard to snap. You'll be able to handle more weight than you thought possible. Now, why is that? What is it about that tree that, that's able to do that? Well, look at what it says. That tree is, is located somewhere. Where is it located? Planted by streams of water. He's like a tree 
that's planted by streams of water. What does that mean? What's the metaphor getting at? There's constant source of nourishment. Trees need water. If they don't have water, they die. If trees have ample water, they're good for a long, long time, right? If the tree has water, it makes it really strong. If the tree is green, it makes it really strong. Trees are green when they're fed what they need. They need water. Humans are the same way. We, if we don't have water, we die. We also need spiritual water. Listen to what Jesus said. He's talking to a woman, a woman at the well in John chapter 4. He has this really interesting conversation. Go home and read it, John chapter 4. But this is what he says to this woman who's not yet a believer. He says, everyone who drinks of this water, meaning water from an actual well, anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So we need Jesus' water. And Jesus' water comes through his word. And that's what the psalmist is saying. When you listen to what God has said, it's going to make you strong like a tree because you got water. You're being fed. You're not dying of thirst. Right? What else happens when that tree is located well? Well, what does it say? It says it yields its fruits in season. What did Jesus say? John 15, that's why we name the church what we name the church. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. What does it say in verse 3? Yields its fruit in season. So Jesus says, if you want to be fruitful, you abide. The psalmist here says, if you want to be fruitful, you delight in what God has said. Same thing. It's the same thing. Abiding in Christ is just listening with ears to hear. Loving with ears to hear what he has said. And the promise here from Jesus and from Psalm 1 is then you become fruitful. And when you're fruitful, you have something to offer. You have, you have ways to nourish people. Right? People can come and, and, and come to you if you can endure the metaphor. And, and you're like a tree and you've got something to offer them. Here's a piece of fruit that's going to that's gonna make you feel better if you're hungry. That's what we're like with one another. Isn't that beautiful? And what else happens? Planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. What does that mean? It means there's endurance. It means there's endurance. Like, if a tree has enough water, there can be lots of things flying around, you know, whether it's storms or any other sort of challenges, and that tree is going to last because it has enough water. It's going to have endurance in the face of heat and pressure. Like, isn't that what we need in our day? Like, the older I get, the more I feel like perseverance is a, the most underrated Christian value. That's what the psalmist is saying here. You'll have perseverance. You won't wither out and die. You'll, you'll persevere. 
And God's word just calls out to us, don't give up. The older you get, you're going to face suffering. You're going to face challenges. You're going to see... You're going to see your people, people that you love and respect, fall off. That's going to be hard. And God's word calls out to us, be planted by the river. Don't give up. Don't give up. There's a great cloud of historical witnesses that have died and gone before you, that are cheering you on. You can do it. Don't give up. And take your roots away from the water. Stay connected to the water. Stay connected to the vine. Keep listening. You can make it. Just stay connected. Don't wither up and die through disconnection. There's no blessing there. Just keep delighting who God is and what he has said and done. So what do we have? Blessedness, happiness comes from delighting in God's revelation of himself and his ways. And it makes us strong, it makes us fruitful, enduring and prosperous. And now we have another Really strong contrast. Look at verse 4. The wicked are not so. They're not like the tree. That's what the psalmist is saying. Here comes the big contrast. The wicked are not so. But they are like chaff that the wind drives away. So blessedness through listening to God's word, being connected to his water, makes people like trees, strong, endurance. Wickedness through hating what God says is like chaff. So what's chaff? Well, chaff is the ancient agricultural equivalent to sawdust in my workshop. Okay? So it's the worthless byproduct of tools that are used. Okay? So in the ancient world, there would be, grain was very, very important to make bread. Okay? And so you go through the field and you just process to get grain to make bread. And the farmer would process the grain in a certain way and take everything that he needed from the, from the wheat. And the stuff that was left over was the chaff. And that could just be, you know, tossed, just like I tossed sawdust in my shop in the garbage. And the wicked, very vivid illustrations are like that. They're very, very different from the tree. A tree, you can't pick, if it's green, you can't pick it up and move it, even if it's a small tree, right? But the wicked... Well, one day, it'll be like this, and I brought an illustration. This is not chaff, but it's very similar. This is is sawdust, or this is um, ash from my, don't worry, I'm not going to eat it. Um, This is is, um, ash from my fireplace, And, and the wicked is like this. 
That's what it's going to be like. That's what, that's what chaff is like. It just blows away in the wind. Like, what is that? That's nothing. Like, the contrast is that versus a tree. The wicked will be removed one day like that. And God will do it, and it will be as simple as that. So this is what the psalmist wants you to see this morning. Don't worry. Don't worry about the wicked. Like, it's just a matter of time. Like, see the future tense? Look at, look at verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Like, he's, he's looking ahead. They will not stand. There's coming a day when it will be called to account. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the wicked will get theirs. There is a judgment coming. The final judgment will make all things right. In this world that is often upside down with wickedness that we feel, we can fret and we can worry, but God's word will not be mocked. The psalmist wants us to see that this morning. He wants us to feel this stark contrast. So what do we have? Amazing promise, amazing contrast. Blessing is laid out before us this morning. Like, he says, this is the pathway. Wickedness in the end will prove to be worthless and cast aside. You don't want to surround yourself with that. But blessing comes to those who delight in what God has said. Blessing comes to those who trust what God has said. Blessing comes to those who treasure what God has said. closing, what separates the trees from the chaff? Like in some sense, aren't we all wicked? Like the Bible says clearly we've fallen short of the glory of God. Yep, that's me. That, that's us. And this is why we listen with ears to hear. This is why we have to delight in what God has said, because when God comes and when he speaks, when Jesus says, those that are justified are those that just cry out to God and say, have mercy on me, a sinner. And when Jesus says, I came to lay down my life as a ransom for many, I came to save you, you can't save yourself. When we listen like that, that's what Salvation is. That's where I'm rescued from the wrath of God. And so even if I still see lingering wickedness in my heart that sometimes looks like verse 4 and 5, I know that God has made provision. His judgment and his wrath has been removed from me because he placed it on himself at the cross. So that's what God, I mean, that's the plan of salvation. That's what God has said. That's what this book is all about. And so when I hear that over and over again, I'm reminded that even if there is wickedness in my heart, and there is sometimes, 
that I'm still a chosen son or daughter of God. And so then we live out this psalm, for, again, like I, like I said at the beginning, from our identity, not for our identity. Since we're sons and daughters of God, we can pursue these things, Psalm 1, by faith, not to achieve or prove anything, but because Jesus has achieved it for us and proved everything for us, we're free to enjoy this psalm and see it bless our lives. So let's listen with ears to hear and see the blessing flow. Let me read it one more time and we'll be done. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and what it says. And I pray that we would have ears to hear. Pray that we would listen, Lord, because you've spoken. And may that listening look like trusting and treasuring you. May we continue to embrace this morning your pictures um, in, the, in, the, in the life, death, and resurrection symbolized in the elements that we're about to participate in. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.